0: It breaks my heart when somebody goes through college and doesn't have the experience that uh, they're after that they that they really want and and at the same time trying to educate them that college is not going to be like it was in high school it's not going to be like it was in a club when you're playing games all the time it's very different so I wanted to set up an educational tool first to educate young kids uh, about the recruiting experience, playing playing sports in college, just being an athlete, you know, even on your high school team, these are things that you can do you know to be a leader or to be a good worker or to be a good teammate or whatever. And try to educate and then take these people and walk them through personally, walk them through the recruiting process, set up their plan, help them every step of the way, so that every question that they have gets answered. And every answer that they get is is actually the right answer. It's a trusted answer. It's the truth and you know how to how to make sure that people are being honest and get all the minutiae out of the way and just let these players drive their own process. You know, right now a lot of other people are driving the recruiting process for for kids, for players.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we, we need to put them in the front seat and we need to get in the back seat and stay back there and let them drive it to the where where they're going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so there are ways we can help parents and coaches and, and the player do that. And I really wanted to be able to help kids have a better chance of getting to the right place so they have the experience that, that you had and that I had where no, it's not easy all the time, but man, when you look back now, it's like that I absolutely had a blast and it's, it's affected who I am and how I live and how I treat people and all of that.
1: Welcome back to another season in the books. Today we are going to hear from a seasoned Division I basketball coach. With 30 years under her belt as a D1 coach, Barb Smith has accumulated a wealth of knowledge and wisdom in relation to the recruiting process, college athletics, and the characteristics of championship teams. Today we're going to hear from Barb as she shares her own personal athletic and academic journey as well as what she's up to now. Barb is passionate about helping future student athletes find their fit. She's done her research, traveled the country, conducted interviews, written a book, and is in the process of testing a beta group of 100 athletes. Deciding on where to go for college is no small task for an athlete. Four years at a specific university or college can impact an athlete positively or negatively. Barb's mission is to help young athletes find those schools where they will have a positive experience, thriving as athletes, students, and human beings class wisdom and a great sense of humor here she is the one and only barb smith barb welcome to the podcast how are you
0: i'm great les thank you so much for for having me this is an
1: honor I know. This is very exciting. And I was just thinking about it this morning. I was like, when was the last time I saw Barb? I graduated in 2008. So that was 12 years ago. But then, of course, you visited and we actually spent a day walking around together here in Madrid.
0: Which was amazing. That was one of the neatest things. And to have the uh, former athlete be my tour guide was even better.
1: It was so much fun. But I was trying to think how many years ago was that now?
0: Oh, that's a good question. That'd be like uh, five, five years ago, six wow. years ago. Wow. I think it was five years ago.
1: It seems like it was not that long ago. Holy cow.
0: Yeah, watch it be like, you know, eight years. or <laughs> something. time? I don't know. <laughs>
1: Well, so we've we've been in touch and I have to say that this opportunity to interview uh, interview you on this podcast is also something so unexpected. you know life just kind of brings you back and crosses paths and you you're not expecting it, but here we are and I'm just so grateful for our friendship and the fact that we're able to continue um, keeping in contact with each other. So thank you for tuning in from Illinois.
0: Yes, from Illinois
1: I'm nine to o'clock 20. in the morning. What's that?
0: I'm closer to your home than you are right now.
1: I know. I know. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get into you know, what you're up to now and everything that you've got going, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about Barb Smith um, and who she is and where she came from. Um, so I didn't give you a heads up on this, but can you think about what your first sports memory is?
0: Oh, my first sports memory is grand, well actually my brothers they were all into sports so we from very young we were tossing balls around and everything but the first time I touched a basketball was up in my grandfather's hayloft and you know back then the basket seemed like so far away but when I went back obviously as an adult it's like you know (laughs) it's it's half of what the two size is but back then it was like it was just so fun to try to put that round thing in the round thing. And I, (laughs) you know, I say that a lot, but the round, just put the round thing in the round thing. And that's where I first started playing. And from then on everything, I I just got so into balls and sports and, and yeah, what a ride.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And was your grandfather's house, was that in Indiana? It was in Ohio. Ohio. That's right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Ohio and, uh, he, they were like 15 minutes away, my grandparents. So we would go over there a lot.
1: Okay, very cool. So obviously you kind of answered my second question, which was going to be, did you grow up in a sports-minded family?
0: Absolutely. My dad played three sports and my mom uh, also played sports. But in, at that time, girls' sports and boys' sports were very different. You know, girls were more club and the boys were, sports were way more organized, which Hmm. is, you know, that's how far apart they were. And it's still pretty far apart even today, but um, it has come a long way. But my mom was a really, really good all state field hockey goldie.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Laterally quick. Yeah, there you go. You got your defensive qualities from her. (laughs) Um, I wonder is, is uh, field hockey a big deal in Ohio?
0: It was uh, it wasn't much bigger deal than it is today. I think overall it, it was bigger earlier. But, uh, yeah, she was – and it was just the – you know, it was the girls' athletic league. So you would play other schools, but it was always in this very local, not a whole lot of travel, just local schools. And they would just go and compete, and there was no records kept or anything. There were no no trophies at the end, but there were, like, these all-state awards, I guess. Right. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Um, yeah. Just just the other day, my mom was doing some cleaning in the house and she came across her like Letterman jacket from high school. And oh. I had actually never even seen it before. So when she sent me the picture of it, I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, where has that been? And wow. so she I kind of zoomed in and um, she had some different pins and whatnot on there. Um, but at her school, you know, they played tennis, the girls, they could play tennis. And then she was, uh, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but she was that person who threw the baton um, and that like walked in front of the band maybe. Oh, the majorette? Yes. Wow. Good for (laughs) her. I know. Wendy Knight. Who would have thought? Um, Yeah. But they they definitely did not have field hockey. Yeah. Well, have you ever seen your
0: mom twirl?
1: I have never. (laughs) And I should ask her. Yeah, that would be something. Um,
0: When's her birthday? When's her birthday, <laughs> Leslie? I think you should get her a baton and <laughs> <back> some, some <laughs> bring back some great memories. You can film it and then I want to see it.
1: Okay, I'll do <laughs> so, that. November 1st. I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> November 1st? Oh, it's coming up. It's not too far.
1: Yeah, the same day as my dad's birthday, actually. My mom is just a couple hours older.
0: On the same day?
1: Same day, 1954.
0: Okay, now that has to be, we should look in the Guinness World Book of Records and see how often that happens. Probably not very.
1: Yeah. Um, Okay, well, this podcast is not about Wendy and David Knight, so we are (laughs) going to continue. (laughs) Um, So when would you say, well, and also, how many brothers and sisters do you have, or just brothers?
0: Four brothers and one sister.
1: Wow. And I'm assuming you guys all grew up multi-sport athletes.
0: Yes, we did. It was was a sport. Household and very diverse sports. So my oldest brother was a golfer, bowler, and he he was very good bowler and very good golfer. Um, but didn't go on to play college. He just played in high school and loved it. My sister was a track runner and a cheerleader. Um, and then came me. I was uh, volleyball, basketball, softball, and track. Okay. And then my youngest, my youngest three brothers all played basketball. And, uh, actually two played football and they all played basketball. And then two of them played, uh, baseball. So okay. it was a lot of, a lot of different sports. My parents were running all over the place all the time. Uh, but it wasn't like it is today. You know, it wasn't, you go to every practice and every game and everything they were doing switcheroos and, you know, it was, uh, it was very different. And they're like, you know, you got to pick up a ride, man, because we can't come get you.
1: Right. And maybe even some of the coaches coached multiple sports.
0: Yes, absolutely. I had, we all had uh, at least one coach coaching two of our sports.
1: Right. So they were probably happy that you were trying to do both. And maybe you weren't able to be at every practice or be at every, I don't know, but they were happy that you were playing both of their sports.
0: Yes. Yes. And I, never missed anyone's practice, um, unless I was sick, of course, but I never missed anyone's practice. So we made it work and they made it work, you know, coaches made it work around different sports. So, um, it's, it's, that's a little bit probably unusual compared to today as well. When, when coaches are trying to fight over kids because the seasons and the practice seasons have gotten longer.
1: Right. Um, so when would you say you started taking basketball, Really more seriously?
0: Um, I would say real serious was junior high. We didn't have clubs. So you had to figure out if you're going to get serious. You know, I I went down to the local park. You know, again, I think it's different today. I don't know if you can let your kid go down to the local park by themselves and things anymore. With a mask. Yeah, with a mask. (laughs) Um, Yeah, go down there. And there usually would be somebody else playing. And I would usually just try to either, you know, play horse, play something, play one-on-one. And, and at night, we had this men's softball league. Um, and it was the underhand pitch softball. And these guys, before their games, would be out there playing basketball, you know, just scrimmaging up and down. So I became a thing for them. I would come down at night and play with these guys and it was a blast it was so much fun you know and then when the when a you know a team would rotate off and another one would come on a new set of guys would just come and, and they just love to play this pickup and so I just you know I was playing basketball for you know three hours two three hours at night with these with these guys you know some of them had beer bellies and you know some were fit as could be but it was it was a riot
1: and you were in junior high High school, maybe
0: started junior high and went through high school. Yeah.
1: Wow. So you were like a spitfire out there. I mean, you were a tiny little thing compared to a lot of these guys.
0: I was I was and I really learned a lot. You know, I ran up and down. And of course, you know, you know, if you could pass to them and make them look good, they th- that was my whole point. Guard She's mentality. on our team. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. That's the whole like, you know, this point guard mentality of making your your team look good, trying mm-hmm. to help them get in a place where they can look good. So
1: mm-hmm. it was
0: fun. It was really fun. And you know, some guys are faster than others. So I really learned how to pass and handle the ball at that time.
1: That's such a beautiful memory, like down at the local ball field we're at the basketball court right next door. And, you know, the sun's going down, and you're just out there for three hours, playing pickup. That's so that's just I love that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Until the lights, you know, the lights would come on. So it was, you know, I could be out there till 11 at night, even with these guys mm-hmm. and just absolutely loved it. My parents knew where I was. I was less than a block away uh-huh. uh, because we were so close to the local park. So it just worked out. It just worked out awesome. I'd say that memory and one other, I had a a janitor at my high school who had let me in um, so I could work out indoors in the summer when it was cooler uh-huh. And I could, I was by myself in the gym, but he would come around and he would rebound for me. He would cheer me on, you know, you know, in the doorway while he was passing the gym and things. So it was really he, you know, I I owe so much to him for, you know, for playing college because he allowed me in there. And I can say now because he won't be fired, but he probably it was probably illegal, you know, <laughs> for him to do that. but. <laughs> He was you know he'd meet me at the door and let me in and it was perfect
1: yeah so I'm curious were you always practicing by yourself or were you ever with your brothers or another girl on your high school team or anything like that
0: well you know some we'd get together as a high school team and play pickup at night with uh the when I got to high school with the men with the boys team okay we would we would go in and play, you know, it'd be like a co-ed thing for whichever females would show up, but there weren't a whole lot of them uh, Mm -hmm. showing up. Um, But most of that was pickup. I would take my brother once in a while uh, and we would go, you know, go down to the park or find a park and see where there were guys playing and then try to take them on two on two. Uh huh. (laughs) And it was, that was another, you know, fun experience because they'd see a girl and think, I've got her. (laughs) Right. And, you know, thinking that it was going to be a a piece of cake because they had a girl on the team. And, you know, we would we would stomp on them. It was (laughs) it was it was fun. (laughs) Yeah, because I I felt like not only was I getting great practice, but I'm also educating. You know, you can't look at a female and just think less than.
1: Right. Well, I'm thinking to myself that even in today's world, that mentality still. Exists a little bit. So when you were, I mean, back then, I'm sure that it was even more so, you know? So um, good for you.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's been baby steps for the change in sports because as women have elevated and gained exposure and everything, it wasn't like the men were staying still. So we haven't caught up. The men were still doing the same thing. So we're just kind of, you know, we're all progressing, but the men, haven't slowed down. So we haven't. Right. Talked, and that's where it is today.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, what I really like about today's world, um, you know, I'm not huge on social media, but I do have to say that I enjoy waking up in the morning, looking at Instagram and being able to go through and see all the different WNBA clips from the night before, and the different games and the highlights. And it's really fun to see these women and just how basketball has evolved for the women's game. Um, And it's inspiring for me to watch them and see what they do and think, huh, I can try that. You know, I can, I can try to do that. It's going to continue to get better and better and better.
0: I agree. I agree. And I think it's neat that, you know, social media has done a lot for women's sports because females and, and boys, they're on social media. So they mm-hmm. see these clips, and some of them are from the NBA, and some of them are from the WNBA, and some of them are from softball, baseball, and they kind of can see that everybody can play sports. So if you're a young female, and you're thinking, you know, WNBA, that is a possibility, or professional softball, or, uh, you know, all the different sports, the the skiing and everything in the wintertime, they have choices, and they have model they can see it and you know it's so much easier when you can see something being done
1: Mm -hmm. and then at
0: the same time the boys can see that girls are doing it too and Mm -hmm. so hopefully you know as as the next generations come through it will even out even more
1: right and i was talking to juanma about this the other day and the importance of seeing someone like you doing what you want to do because you know i can watch steph curry shoot threes and do all that. But he's a guy and he's Steph Curry and he plays in the NBA. But when I see Sue Bird or Stuart Stewie out there doing their thing, it's just a little bit more relevant because she's a female and because she's more in my league and it just makes you think also about the United States and everything that we're going through right now and how important it is for whether you're black, brown, yellow, white, to have role models that look like you doing something that you aspire to do. Yeah, in my opinion, it's just, it's really important and and I'm a privileged white woman you know, and but I still think that way. And so I'm assuming that the majority of other women of all different colors feel the same way.
0: There's no question. I mean, it's funny, I'm going to start with this story. I have a a group of 100 kids that I'm working with right now with this, with this company, uh, with the recruiting process. And I had we had a TikTok challenge. And I asked them to go and get their favorite basketball links for TikTok and send them to me. And If I would have done this, you know, 20 years ago, they would have been uh, if there were TikTok there, they would have been all men's clips because that's all they had. And now this time they had lots of choices and and lots came through that were WNBA uh, sports and Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they were they were proud to put the WNBA players out there. And these are all basketball players, by the way. So it was WNBA at the time, but who's your, who's your favorite player, you know, and they're saying females instead of, you know, my era, it was oh Michael Jordan. And you know, those people right now, it's you know, Elena Deladan and McCutty and Brianna Stewart. And, you know, there's, they've got models just as you're saying, and it's motivating to them Very. and it does make a
1: difference big time. Yeah, that's cool. Um, okay, getting back to some of my questions. So, <laughs> getting we're going off on tangents. But um, so then, when you get to high school and when you're finishing high school, what did the recruiting process look like for you?
0: My recruiting process was um, a little different. I had the opportunity to, uh, there, were, there were a couple local schools that were interested in me, but I, probably since I was, you know, two, I don't know, I had this, this vision of where I was going to college. And that's where I was going to go. So all of my workouts and everything were geared towards that, you know, I was looking beyond high school, and I was going to go to that school, regardless if I played or not, but I really wanted to play. So my workouts had really a, a deep, um, mission in there and that's why you know every day every day I was down at that park or in the gym and and running and doing the things that I was supposed to do to get myself in the best shape because I wanted to make it to uh Ohio State that's where I was going to go and so my junior year in in uh high school I hadn't really heard from them and you know this happens so much to so many uh, players and do nothings in high school I went down and I talked to the coach. Um, we drove down there. My parents took me down there. We drove down. And I just, you know, I I sat in front of, at that time, Tara Vanderveer was was the coach at Ohio State. She's now at Stanford. That tells you how old I am. But, <laughs> And I went into that office and sat down with her. And I just, you know, I said, I wanted to play here. And what would it take? And, you know, Tara looked me in the eyes and she said, you are more than welcome to come here and you can try to walk on, but there are no guarantees. And to me, all I heard was yes, because she didn't say no. So I heard no guarantees. Well, that doesn't scare me. You can walk on. Well, that doesn't scare me. This is where I wanted to go. And she didn't say no. She didn't close the door. So from that point on, it was a whole different ball game. I I doubled down and I just I just worked my tail off because she did not say no, and so that's how I ended up going there because to me that was like getting an offer. She wants me to come. That that's how I looked at that.
1: This was in when was this? When was your freshman year? Uh, Nineteen. This is, my, this is my junior year. My freshman year. Oh, what year was that? Yeah.
0: Well, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, it was night. It was, uh, let's see. I graduated in 82. So it was 78.
1: Okay. Okay. So, and then the majority of the other girls on the team were, um, scholarship athletes,
0: which team Ohio state.
1: Yeah.
0: They were all scholarship. Yeah. They okay. all scholarship. So yeah. So this was high school still that I'm in. Um, and we had some other division one kids that were coming through too. I was probably, ahead of that, of those, but that's why we were so good in high school because we had, we had some division one kids on the team. I shouldn't say division one. We had some college, college athletes. So they were all divisions, but we were just, you know, all those, all those players were on a mission too. I mean, they all wanted this opportunity to play in college. So that drove us.
1: Well, I give you a lot of credit for going to the Ohio State University and walking in her office and sitting in front of Tara Vanderveer and saying, what you wanted that's impressive barb
0: yeah and 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 credit to her too that she did not squelch my dream but she did not guarantee anything and she put that out there like that so you know if you're a player that really wants something you can't let obstacles stand in the way now i know financially sometimes that's an obstacle but there are ways to figure that out and and, you know that's my whole thing with with these players is, is if you can find the place that truly fits you, you're going to be happier and you're going to be more successful uh, because you found the right place. But if you only gear it towards these criteria that aren't as like uh, they're they're stopping you from looking at a dream because it's a little criteria sometimes big. You know finances is sometimes big, but if you could work around that, if you could see beyond the obstacles and and see the place and then try to figure out how to get there, I think I think there's ways to to make those things come true. Mm-hmm. I eventually got a scholarship, so walking on was not walking on for four years. You know, I, I eventually got the full ride, and I continued to work, and it just was, you know, it's the experience that, you know, p- pushes you out into the world, and now there's, I've had lots of setbacks in life, and you just keep going.
1: Yeah, So you show up your freshman year as a walk on. Yes. And I mean, you're the bottom woman on the totem pole. Um, what happened in your freshman year, sophomore year, junior year? Like how did that what was the evolution? What did it look like?
0: Yeah, there's some there's some fun stories in there, but I will say that when I was a senior in high school. And the and the players at Ohio State knew I was coming because I had come to summer camp the year before, the summer before. And so they knew me. So I got to know them then, and they knew me. And so when they heard that that Tara was gonna, you know, that I was gonna come to walk on, still no, you know, no guarantees, but I was gonna be allowed to walk on or at least try to. The players sent me, you know, the workout, and they called me and said, just get in the best shape that you can get. Trust, trust me. Trust me. Run, 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 run as much as you can. So I took that advice um, from those players who happened to be, you know, some of the seniors. They were, they were captains and leaders, and they, mm-hmm. they cared. Which I thought, wow, you know, I am, wow.
1: the,
0: I'm the bottom of the pole, and they're reaching down there and they're trying to hoist me up. You know, that's that's said a lot about that team. And so I did that. I ran, I did the, I did every single, you know, day of workout and I just stuck to that plan and I got there and, you know, we had some time tests and I was, I was running around people, you know, I I was not the fastest, but definitely not the slowest. I was, you know, making times And people were, I mean, I mean, Tara was like, okay, you know, right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. She's serious.
0: Ended up making the team, which was the first step. Uh-huh. And then, you know, Tara said, well, congratulations. You know, what's your what's the next thing you want to do? And I I wasn't thinking, you know, I, this wasn't coming out. And I didn't even know if it came out the right way. But I just said, I want to start. You know, I'm still the lowest person on the. On the podium. <laughs> and that's just what that's what came out of me. That was my next goal. But I usually had set goals like that, you know, far ahead you know, Ohio state was a a long goal and this was now in my mind, a long goal, but I don't know if other people saw it that way. So she said, all right, you know, she said, all right, good luck. You've got a way to go. And, and again, you know, she said, there's no guarantee. And she always said that, which was just, you know, that was a yes to me. That was like, it's possible then.
1: Right.
0: My freshman year in college, you know, even though I was in great shape, Oh my God, you probably went through the same thing. The change when you think you're in shape to when you actually get to college and have these conditioning things, you you can't get there. You just can't get there without being there, if that makes any sense. You know, you you think you come in, you think you're in great shape, and then all of a sudden you, you know, these workouts are kicking your behind.
1: Uh-huh. And, and you're working out with people, which always forces you to go even harder. Yes. And so you had never gone that hard before. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I would take these workouts and even have somebody sometimes come and time me and stuff, but nobody was running with me to do those things. And Mm -hmm. when you get to college, you're right. You've got lines and you've got time and you've got other legs running with you. And all of that raises the anxiety level a little.
1: And And people watching you.
0: (laughs) The challenge. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that was, that was my freshman year. You know, it's like a, a, culture shock, and just the, the, you know, athletic culture, I'm talking about what it really means to be an athlete.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: man, you know, your body changes, and you are fit, and your clothes fit differently. And it's like, you know, you, you have this sense of
1: accomplishment. Mm-hmm.
0: And in that, you know, that helps your entire
1: life. So you've got me in suspense here. So when did you finally start?
0: Okay, so my freshman year, and this is probably why I ended up in coaching too, I, I didn't play much. I would play at the end of the game my freshman year if if my, if my we were up a lot and, you know, i go in for three free throws or something at the end of games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great experience. I think every athlete should have to have something like that because it really keeps you grounded and keeps you working. Um, Amen. And, yeah. It's just like dangling something. It's not there yet. You have to keep going. It's not instant gratification. It's long, it's the long game. Mm-hmm. And so I but I was in every huddle. I was right next to, to Tara. She probably thought I was really weird because I would get I would kneel down right next to her and I was looking at the you know the the board that she was drawing on. I was hearing every word and I was in that huddle as if i was the coach like i was taking all of that in and that environment and how she talked to players and all that um and so that's probably how it kept going after college but my my whole freshman year was just that and it was like you know i'm not i'm not ready yet you know i've got to keep going so the the summer after my uh freshman year very hard work very hard work again you know all the the whole every page of the workout book and that was back in the day when we could send home workout books uh, to the players. And then I, I got to my sophomore year and the season started and it was sort of the same thing, you know, it was sort of the, the same deal. You get put in at the end of the game and practice, 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 don't get to play, practice, 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 don't get to play. And then there was one game and it was against Louisiana Tech and they were killing us by we were down 30 points. And so Tara put the next group in and the next group included me and me and the second group had a blast bringing our team back and bringing our team back. And we came into within five points. So we, we just got busy and we were on a mission and probably all this like pent up, I'm off the bench. <laughs> the round thing in the round thing. We, we just had a blast coming back. And then we, you know, the momentum was carrying us. And the other team was, you know, they had their starters in. And and we pushed back, pushed back. And we just basically, we ran out of time. We lost by about five points, I think. And from that game on, I started. And, and, I, and then it's history. After that year, I got a scholarship and... And then that was, that
1: wow. was,
0: it was, it was very, very cool. I, I've got great memories from just the, you know, the endurance of, of continuing to work and not losing hope. And I think, you know, it's so hard because you don't get the, you don't get the candy right away. You know, you have to, you have to work for it. And it's, I think it's hard for student athletes to do that today.
1: Right. Because you, you hope that your work is going to pay off, but you nothing's guaranteed. Just like Tara said, you could have worked and worked and worked and it might not have worked out, but luckily it did work out, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, same with, with your story. It's very similar, you know, to your story where it just turns and you don't, you don't know if it's going to, but it just does. And Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I've seen a lot of athletes have that route and stick it out and and you know come out on the other side just loving their college experience mm-hmm. and then there are other people that don't they can't get to that point where it could turn they they give up too soon and mm-hmm. they jump ship but then they have to go somewhere else and do it again so it's it's really it's really a uh, difficult for for players to to stay
1: mm-hmm and I'm thinking right now, you know, thanks to social media, we hear these stories about walk-ons being gifted, granted a scholarship, and we see the videos and we see the emotion from the teammates, from the athlete um, himself or herself. Do you remember what the situation was? Like, did they, did Tara tell you one-on-one? Was it in front of a group? What was that situation like? No, no
0: she uh she told me one-on-one and then that was it then you know no big deal to anybody else yeah no big announcement to anybody else
1: okay uh,
0: but somehow the players found out and you know there was another senior there that was uh, uh she was an all-american and she would stay after practice with me my sophomore year and play one-on-one with me and teach me some things hmm. uh was really a gifted athlete and um Yvette Angel was her name and she's, she, the whole team, they were all so, you know, invested and into it and, and happy. And I would get little, you know, pats on the back and high fives and things like, you know, some would say great deal. Some said about time, good job, you deserve it, all those kinds of things. So it was confirmation. Um, but yeah, it was one-on-one conversation and Tara didn't make a big deal either. She just so, you know, there you go you know and what's your what's your next goal <laughs> starting from that you know she just uh, laughed but yeah it, yeah it was cool
1: yeah, very neat. Well, this podcast is called Another Season in the Books, a uh, little double meaning there about academics as well. Um, when you reached college, and sounds like you were putting in a ton of time, um, did you find it difficult at all to balance your athletics with your academics? You know, I did,
0: but I learned how to do it. And I think, you know, like this is a whole learning experience, again, from the freshman year, because I, I was an A student in, in high school.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when I got to college, I had my first algebra, you know, I would study for the test. And this was the first test we had, I studied for that thing. And I took it and I just didn't feel good about it. And I got a C on that test. And that just was like, Oh, no, this is not this is not gonna work. <laughs> so we had to figure this out. And I had to learn how to study in between practice, study in between weights and practice, study in between classes, because math was not my forte. And it was one of the classes that I had to work the hardest in. Um, but I, I had to turn around, I had to figure it out. And you learn how to study. And I mean, sometimes you're up, you know, late nights, and sometimes you're studying on the bus, or the plane, um, or in the hotel and the lobbies. Um, we we did have study hall, but I had to do a lot, I had to go beyond study hall for me. Now, some of the smart people out there might have to study less, but I had to study a lot. And I did. Um and what was your major in college? My major was uh, health education. So I thought I thought while I was in college, I, I was going to teach high school and coach high school. that that was what I was going to do. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh huh. I had an uncle who had that route, and he spoke highly of high school and stuff. And he was another inspiration. My my uncle Tom Muchler. He he taught me a lot and was inspirational for me along the way. But when I became a junior in high in college, um, it started to change that. I wanted to stay at this level because I was in this level. I was in this moment. So I ended up going and getting my my MBA and. And getting a graduate assistantship and then going to the college route.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, did you always know that you wanted to be a coach, but obviously it kind of appeared during your college years. It sounds like
0: that's right. That, that, and, and it went from high school to college. Um, but yes, I was, I thought for sure I was going to coach.
1: Where did you do your grad uh, assistant work at?
0: Iona college. Iona. Iona in New York. And uh, again, new experience, this little Ohio girl going to uh, the big city. Um, and it was another culture shock, New York. Um, but truly a blessing. Rose Battaglia is a Hall of Fame coach, legendary coach. And she and Tara were good friends. She came to to watch some of Tara's practices. And that's how I got to know her which it's amazing how these things line up, you know, for your, for your life during your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't make any sense. But sometimes when you look back, you see how it all fits together the way it's supposed to be. And Rose was just a great coach and she's been a great mentor. We still communicate right now. Um, You know, we used to go to her house and her mom would make homemade lasagna, (laughs) homemade pasta. They're Italian. And I mean, it was, it was the real stuff. <laughs> it's like, this, uh, you know, boxed pasta. This is like homemade on the table. Right. But, but yeah, I learned a lot there too, but that's where I, how I ended up at Iona College.
1: Okay. Um, and before we go any further, I just wanted to note um, this upcoming season, I'm going to play with a, a young lady named Carmen Grande. She's Spanish and she actually played, Um, I believe she played a year at the Ohio State. Uh, She transferred from another school. And I was asking her the other day just what her experience was like. And she said that the spirit at Ohio State is unreal. She said that, I don't know if it was Michigan. I think she said that whenever they would play Michigan, all around campus, any letter M that you would see anywhere on a building, on a sign, wherever it was, would be crossed out.
0: <laughs> it's real. It's real, Leslie. The Michigan-Ohio State uh rivalry is real. And you know, there is a great spirit there. There there was it it was powerful. The the pride of the college. I don't know. You know, there's there's some great pride at colleges, but that is probably times 10. It's like pride, you know, on steroids or something because <laughs> you, you just, you just don't mess. You're in it, you're in it or you're not.
1: (laughs) Well, that's got to be a really cool feeling. And I think especially for international students, because they don't have, they have college sports here, but it's not, it's nothing like it is back in the United States. So, um, you know, we didn't have anything like that at Minnesota. You know, I never saw letters being crossed out around campus. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty powerful. And just feeling like the whole university is kind of behind you, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely special. And there were always things like that, you know, some type of symbol for the next big football game, or, you know, Michigan's coming to town, you know, lock your doors. (laughs) You know, don't let any of that, you know,
1: you know, any of that riffraff.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we call it something else. But yeah, that's what that's what we, you know, referring to don't let them in we're not letting them in our house you know we're not letting them our campus it was the those types of things but the symbolic you know stuff that happened really did pump you up because even in the other sports you know it's michigan or you know or we we've been swept last year by this team they're not going to sweep us this year in some other you know team on in the big 10 but yeah those were some those were some really spirited fun times
1: no, no question. Okay, and now you've coached in the Division One realm for 30 years or 30 plus years. That's right. So you have basically um, seen it all, heard it all, and experienced it all. And I'm wondering, looking back on all those years, what are some of the things that have persuaded you, encouraged you, pushed you into this new endeavor that you're embarking on?
0: Well, that's a great question. That could be an hour answer, but I will say (laughs) I will say I have seen, you know, know, stories like yours where, you know, somebody, a student athlete comes into college and just attacks it. You know, she just goes after it and attacks it, sticks it out, gets hit, gets knocked down, gets challenged, has obstacles and just forges her way through that and comes on the other side and just thrives. And it's not always fun in games, but but for the most part, all of that learning and growing and learning and growing and maturing just it just adds up and it just propels people out into the real world armed with strength and courage. And I can do this. And there's so many stories like that, you know, where where players have come in and they've they've gone out stronger mm-hmm. and more mentally tough and just you know, I guess collected for lack of a better you know word, but and then I have seen players come in and not not be able for some reason to attack those obstacles and the challenges and and they have quit and they may have not even left college but they quit they might still be on the team but they quit and so they're existing uh, and they're it's it's almost like they're surviving but they're not going to be able to thrive in that environment. And then some of those people eventually do, you know, leave. So two, you know, the, the dichotomy is the, there's two extremes there. And there there is some middle ground, but if you can get in one camp or the other, and, and if you could go to the ends of the journey and feel what it feels like, the thrivers would take that experience time and time again. And the people that, that left and left and transferred and everything, if you've asked them, and I have, they would go back and do it differently. And so that, to me, you know, and this started back in 2010, Leslie, when I was still at Minnesota. I took a year off there, and I traveled the country, and I spoke with female athletes who were on teams, and some had just left teams. And I got a really good sense of that, you know, you know if you had to do it again what would you do or did you enjoy your experience and i got a lot of feedback about that and so that was 2010 i started writing a book back then it's finally done by the way um and you're in it leslie as a as a workhorse that's beside the point for another day ah look at that she has it
1: amazon baby
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> it Get is us. right here they Maybe. deliver it to spain nice came all the way to spain i think mm-hmm. you got it before my dad did i think- <laughs> He still hasn't gotten it. I think it got lost. Anyways, besides the point, um, those those images are are clear in my head that I am on a mission for thriving. Now I, I want to help student athletes find their right place and then help them get to the thriving point where they can get propelled out of college and have that strength and courage and be able to tackle Life, because all of the challenges that you hit in in uh, college, you're going to get them again when you get out of college, you're going to you're going to have obstacles, you're going to have challenges, you're going to have disappointments, and you have to learn to bounce back and to keep going. And I think if you're a person that j- jumps every time, you're going to do a lot of jumping in life.
1: Right. I'm interested. The the f- athletes that you spoke with that said they'd go back and do it differently. I'm assuming that means that the grass wasn't always greener on the other side.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. The the jumping didn't uh, didn't cure oh. the problem. Now, there are some that jump for for a reason and found a different place, found a better place, but that's. They didn't do their homework on the front side of that, then, to get to the right place. And sometimes that does need to happen. You know, you you found the wrong place, and now you have to, for your own health and your own well being, you you've, you've got to go to another place. So that that's a little different. But you got to do the work on the front end of college, um, to get to the right place. And then you've got to work to, you know, overcome the struggles. And then you're going to just absolutely love college. And and I'm speaking from my own personal experience and then the experience of, of seeing, you know, 30 years of athletes and then some go through that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You took a year off and you visited 80 plus different schools or visited 80 plus different practices.
0: Yeah. That, that was, that was uh, a lot of gas money and and flights, but you know, all those years of flying around the country, I had some frequent flyer miles Added uh, added up so I used a lot of those to get to these places and to get to these practices and I went to you know professional practices men's and women's I went to uh, college all the divisions uh, NAIA junior college all of the different you know types of practices and then high school boys and girls and then youth uh, youth boys and girls and just to try to get a 360 picture of what our our sports world look like
1: mm-hmm. in
0: terms of practice, in terms of how we're treating our players in terms of, you know, the, the makeup of teams. And it was really one of the most fascinating journeys I ever took.
1: Yeah, I believe it. It sounds like a really interesting year um, just to see what, what other people are doing. What other practices look like, what drills they're doing. Because at the end of the day, I think about my college experience and I had the same head coach the whole four years, which I think is probably a good thing. You know, it's tough being an athlete and having to change every couple of years if a head coach leaves. Um, But you get used to a certain philosophy, um, style, the drills. And when you step out of that little bubble, you realize that there are people out there doing a plethora of different things. There's more than just what you've been doing for the past four years. So um, I think that was a really neat, neat experience that you had.
0: Yeah, it it was interesting because I figured, at least at the college level, I figured a lot of the the drills would be the same, but there was a lot of variety in all of that. I I have a drill book that you can go online to get if if you're a basketball coach or player, I guess, but a coach in particular, that of all the drills – that I gathered from that experience. It's like 486 pages of drills. And some of it's individual work. You know, it's broken down into categories, team drills and individual drills. But I I figured since I'm there, I may as well record everything. So I recorded what they said. I recorded, you know, drew the plays of the practices. I drew the rules. You know, I had clocks on it. And then I had people that went back and put all that together for me uh, in the fast model software. So I I owe them to fast model sports. They, they really helped also in allowing me to use this software to, um, and keep my license to, to build this drill book basically. Hmm. So people helped me put that part together, but I figured you might as well, you know, put all those drills and then you can, it's a free download. You can just go get it.
1: You should take another year off and come to Europe and do the same thing. (laughs) That would, be awesome. that would be interesting to see just how different European practices are in comparison to practices in, in the states, and I'm sure there are even more drills that you have never seen before. Um,
0: That's a great idea. That's a really great idea. <laughs>
1: um, and if you need a translator, I'll be I'll be happy to come along. <laughs> All right. deal! That's a
0: deal right there. That's a deal.
1: Because I have talked the Carmen Grande, the girl that went to Ohio State. Um, and a couple other girls that I've met this summer, they said that their college experience in the u s, the drills were much more fundamental and a little bit boring or not as um, what's the word I'm looking for? interactive, which I thought was interesting.
0: yeah, that is interesting. But
1: mm-hmm. I will
0: say this about practices that you know the the makeup of the team, so the what what loads the players are carrying that that isn't really, the, the actual skill-related. It's it's the it's the type of person that is helping carry the load. So let's say there's a leader out there. Um, everybody expects, and this is typical. The leader is going to do everything. They're going to be the voice. They're going to be the worker. They're going to be everything. And if they're not, if the team's not doing something, it's that leader's fault because she didn't or he didn't talk enough, work hard enough, you know, help somebody, or you know, take pressure off the situation. But the teams that were consistently winning had all those things covered with a shared responsibility. So not necessarily sport related, it was the stuff that happens within the sport. The, the pressures, the you know the mission being out there, the, the vocal energy, those things that you need in a practice, when those things were there, usually those teams were winning. And even on a winning team, if I saw the practice before, I could almost predict that they were going to win or not because of those, those things that either were there or not on that day. Mm -hmm. So it was really an interesting, I guess, uh, you know, experiment sort of team dynamics Mm
1: -hmm. uh,
0: because it's not only about talent that wins games.
1: Right. Well, I'm about 70 pages into your book And, and, um, you know, public transportation over here is great because I get on the Metro and I sit and I read whatever it is I want to read. And yeah, the quote in there about um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Is that what the quote is?
0: That's right. Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. And I take that quote to heart because I, I feel like I'm not always the fastest or I don't always jump the highest or, you know, but there's something to say about getting after it and just working hard. Um, there was a clip of Sabrina Ionescu the other day that I saw where she goes up for a layup, makes it falls down. I think hustles her buns back, intercepts a pass and throws it back to her teammate. And they're going back down on offense again. And I just thought, you know, that is something that is just heart. You know, you can't necessarily teach that you can try to, but I got goosebumps watching that. I was like, that is what it's all about.
0: Yeah, I saw that clip. That's a great clip. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure every coach in America, maybe beyond, maybe in Spain too, are showing, showing that
1: yourself. to their team.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they're right. That is somebody that has thrown their heart into the sport that they're playing and you know, is playing it with everything they've got. And that's right. what you want to do with anything, right? With with anything that you do, throw throw yourself in there and man, see what happens. Mm-hmm.
1: And I just want to get a couple things clear here because you have a couple different uh you're juggling a couple different things at the at the same time. So in 2012, you started something called courtside leadership, correct? Correct. And what is that?
0: Courtside leadership is a company that if you if you need it's a leadership based company. So okay. we are all about helping people with leadership, helping teams with leadership. Uh, helping individuals with leadership, helping coaches develop leadership on teams uh, or managers. And so we are somebody you can you can hire us out to come in and help with that. It's it's a it's a leadership team dynamic thing. So I have evaluated practices and talked about the leadership and the six keys. I have spoken about leadership and, you know, how to incorporate it and how it's how it's structured in companies, and that's just a it's a speaking slash
1: consulting um, business. Okay, so you have courtside leadership, then. You published your book after many years of dedication and perseverance, and you got your your baby. Your I mean, I don't want to say baby, but it is. It's like you're this thing that you've been working on so hard on for the last, I don't know, however many years. And now it's finally in a tangible uh, form and people can can have it and read it and learn from it. I'm really excited to just read it before our season even gets started um, because it's always good to have some, some motivational factor, something that hits one of your heartstrings that pushes you to just keep going and be a better version of yourself. Right. And now now you're, you have another project, a business that's called find my team. That's correct. So you know,
0: launching the book was was cool because it, it took many years. And when I got back into coaching, I couldn't put the same time into it that I did in these last couple of years. So I was really able to get it to a place where it's, it's readable for many different audiences. I mean, I think coaches could use it. I think business people, there's some stuff in there they can pull out. I think teams would be, you know, be a kind of a fun experiment to see who's filling these roles that we're talking about and just have it be like a team read. I think that be kind become of a theme for the year type thing, which would be cool. Definitely. But I, when I when I was doing that book, and as I was going through those practices again, and and doing all that, and thinking, you know, after my last job, I thought this this transfer thing, and the makeup of teams, and trying to get players on the same page is something that really needs to be tackled, and it's it's getting harder and harder to do that. So I thought, let me. Let me see if I can, because I it breaks my heart when somebody goes through college and doesn't have the experience that uh, they're after, that they that they really want, and and at the same time trying to educate them that college is not going to be like it was in high school. It's not going to be like it was on club when you're playing games all the time. It's very different. So I wanted to set up an educational tool first to educate. Young kids uh, about the recruiting experience, playing playing sports in college, just being an athlete, you know, even on your high school team. These are things that you can do, you know, to be a leader or to be a good worker or to be a good teammate or whatever. And try to educate, and then take these people and walk them through personally, walk them through the recruiting process, set up their plan, help them every step of the way, so that every question that they have gets answered, and every answer that they get is is actually the right answer it's a trusted answer it's the truth and you know how to how to make sure that people are being honest and get all the minutiae out of the way and just let these players drive their own process you know right now a lot of other people are driving the recruiting process for for kids for players
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: we we need to put them in the front seat and we need to get in the back seat and stay back there and let them drive it to the, where, where they're going. Mm -hmm. Uh, so there are ways we can help parents and coaches and, and the player do that. And I really wanted to be able to help kids have a better chance of getting to the right place. So they have the experience that, that you had and that I had where, no, it's not easy all the time, but man, when you look back now, it's like that I absolutely had a blast and it's, it's affected who I am and how I live and how I treat people and all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, and I'm sure that when people contact you and they get into this process, they'll learn more about this. So I'm not sure how much you can tell us or not, but um, are there certain characteristics that you think that student athletes, you know, that are in high school, that are looking at colleges? Certain um, characteristics that they shouldn't compromise on when it comes to choosing a final destination?
0: You know, that's a, a really good question. And I feel like right now, I feel like, first of all, a lot of players just sit back and they wait to see if a college coach is going to come to them. If a college coach never comes to them, they don't play. And I just think that if you really want to play somewhere, there's a place for you to play it may not come in the package that you first envisioned but there's a place where you can play and where you were going to be so happy and and really do the thriving that we're talking about i don't think you should just look at money i don't think you should just look at level i don't think you should you know for example you get the you get the division 1 scholarship i've seen players coming get the division 1 scholarship and then relax because they got the scholarship and they hate it there you know, it's not what they expected. And so, you know, they're leaving or doing the quitting thing I was talking about before. It isn't, uh, it's not healthy. It's not, it wasn't a good choice. So instead, you know, first figure out what's important to you and have those things be at the forefront, you know, have that, be, write your own mission, your own vision and have that stay in front of you. So you're not detracted by people who say you should go here or there or the bling of a college, you know, they've been to so many you know, championships and they have all these trophies. Yeah, that sounds great. Or they've got the highest crowd numbers. That sounds great. But you have to go there and live. So those are snapshots of some good, but you've got to go there and live and exist for at least four years. You know, sometimes two years you your transfer coming in, but you, you have to live there. So you, there's so many more things that come into play than just the things that show up in the newspaper or on the TV.
1: Mm-hmm. um where can where can future student athletes college student athletes find you or where where can they look to to get this information
0: um, they can go to findmyteam.com is is a site it, it, there's just a uh, landing page there right now it's a, it's a holder the site's not completely up except okay. in this little beta group if people are interested in talking to us about our packages or, what we have to offer, they can email us uh, at hello at findmyteam.com.
1: Hello at
0: findmyteam.com. That's right. And we will get back to you as soon as possible and set up something and, and talk about it.
1: Awesome. So basically, you know, I have written down here just different things like what are you hoping they discover? And from what I'm hearing is that through... This interactive, hands-on investigation as far as where they want to go to school, you're hoping that they will discover a place where they will be happy on and off the floor and um, thriving, as you would say, um, academically, athletically and somewhere where they will feel relevant, useful, worthy, appreciated.
0: Absolutely, all those things. And not only that, but they're going to discover through this process that we go on, they're going to discover more about themselves. They're going to discover what they really do want because we're going to ask those types of questions and help them discover, you know, you may you may have this vision that you're going to a a division whatever school. And through this process, you discover that you're going to try this other thing because it fits you better. And that could be going from division three to one or one to three or NAIA or a junior college situation. All, all the doors are open. And, you know, that's where that's how you should approach the process anyways. Um, mm-hmm. Just have everything. Just keep an open mind because there is a, a right fit for you. And with everything, you know, even social media and everything, all those options aren't out there. There's lots of options out there for college. There's lots of options of how to fund college. There's there's lots of options on majors on things that you like that you may you not, may not even heard of the job that you're gonna have if you go into it with an open mind and let us actually walk you through it and not be a you know rushed last minute decision because a coach calls you and you're like, my only offer, that's where I'm going. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so much more to it than that.
1: As I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking about my own process. And it is tough when you're in high school, because you're practicing, you know, maybe three hours after school, and you come home, and you've got your homework, and you eat dinner, and you go to bed, and you're waking up at six the next morning, and you're doing it all over again. And when I was going through my recruiting process, my parents, they did a lot of the, the legwork. And the receiving of the mail and reading of the letters. Um, I remember when Pam Borton came to my house. My mom had a list of like a hundred questions that she just rattled off. You know, I didn't write those questions. I didn't think about those questions. Wendy Knight thought about those questions. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't necessarily participating actively in the process. Um, I was going on the visits. I was talking to coaches on the phone when I could. Um, but I think what you're saying is very important. It's really important for student-athletes to find the time, make the time to be hands-on with their own experience because, like you said, it's that it's you who's going to be living on that campus and playing for that coach and studying that degree for the next four years. Not your mom, not your AAU coach, not your high school coach, not your uncle, but it's going to be you. And so I think I think it's worth it to – you know, contact someone like you and go through this process because it could be very, it's life changing.
0: Absolutely. And, and we save you time, you know, we line it up for you so that you're doing these little chunks of, you know, these little bits of the recruiting process at at a time. So it isn't this overwhelming, you know, boulder that you're carrying around. It's these little pieces of the boulder and you're, you're able to do these chunks. So we, you know, you do have time to do the recruiting process, unless you wait until it becomes a boulder, and then it, it's very, it's very hard. But if you let us help you with the process, with how to line it up, setting up your plan, then we can help you do it in a in a manageable way that that is less overwhelming. Still going to be some tough decisions down the road, but it's less overwhelming. Keep the parents under control in terms of how to help, how to be an advocate. But I I, I interviewed Deborah Peters. Uh, she's one of our, one of our players that we've talked to and she had a great line. She said, parents should guide, but not decide. And it's true. You know, just be in the backseat, be that encouraging support, be the listener. They're going to, parents can learn too a lot about their, their daughter or son that maybe they didn't even know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's uh it's really a, a cool thing and i and it's working. We're doing it with some players now. So we've had, we've, we're having success and not only that, but the, but the kids love it. They're loving it. Uh,
1: Devereaux Peters, she played for the Lynx, correct? She
0: did play for the Lynx.
1: Did you know that she played in Lagroño, Spain? I did know
0: that. I did know that she has. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. She came for just a, a month or two at the end of, at the end of our season, but yeah, small world. We did cross paths for a little bit.
0: She's got a great story too. Devereaux has a great story. You know,
1: great Mm -hmm. player at
0: Notre Dame. She's, She's, she's got a great story.
1: Yeah. But what you're saying, I think, yeah, high school athletes, they will be happy and feeling good about this process. Because when you have a little bit more knowledge, you feel more in control, and you feel capable. And that's, that's exciting. You know, the education is, is power, it's knowledge, it's, You know, it makes you feel like you're in control of the situation and that you have a a word on as to how the coin falls, you know, and you're in
0: it, you know, you're in it every step of the way. So there isn't a time where somebody, let's say your parents know more than you do, you know, everything, every step of the way so that your decision making becomes a lot easier and because you are in the know and they're in the know with you. So that's great, you know, to bounce things off of, but your parent isn't out in front of you. They're not answering questions. They're not asking the coaches questions when you go to a campus visit. You're doing all that work and you are so prepared because you've done the legwork.
1: And then maybe when you do make your decision, maybe you're a little bit more invested. Exactly. And you're not as quick to leave maybe. And you're going to stick it out because, hey, I came here for a reason. Absolutely. Hmm. Barb, I love it. I think this is a great endeavor, uh, project, goal, life dream that you're on here. I, I really think it's key. It, I, I keep wanting to use Spanish words, but it's <laughs> it's necessary. You know, it's this is a great thing. It's a great thing.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, I'm really excited about it. It's it's another baby, if you will, and I've not really ever been a, a complete startup nerd or anything but this is this is a startup world and this is a lot of fun and I'm able to help a lot of kids and touch a lot of people and hopefully you know hopefully we'll get the transfer rate down and we'll get people to the place that they actually belong and we'll have more athletes saying that they enjoyed their college experience because that isn't always the typical answer right did you enjoy college sports a lot of people are like Mm-mm, no way. And that's that's sad, because I loved it. Like I said, it's not always roses, but it's it's exactly where you need to be when you need to be there for the most part.
1: right. And I wonder if your book, it would be great, I think, for college teams and probably for high school teams. I wonder if a professional team would ever read a book like this, if that's something that they do. I'm not sure. But I'm sitting here thinking like, hey, if you ever want somebody to translate it into Spanish, you can always knock on my door. And I would love to be able to give this book to my teammates and my coaches. That Um, is a deal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of them do speak English, so they would probably be able to read the book. But, um, you know, the six keys to a championship team, I just want to name them off real quick. The things that you saw while you were traveling for a year at all these different practices, you um, narrowed them down to a leader, well, leaders, workhorses, the voice, the connector, the teacher, and the diffuser. Um, Right. That's right. I just finished the workhorse chapter. And so I still have several chapters to go. But um, the teams that you watched where you saw kind of all of those aspects coming together, um, that is a powerful practice, a powerful team and fun to watch, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I think if I could have and maybe someday will have shown videos of the different, you know, scenarios, I, I think that my my, you know, the, being there in person is probably the best thing that could happen because then you get to feel it's probably more powerful than a video, but to feel energy or lack of energy. And it isn't always, you know, like, let's say there, there could still be vocal energy. But when you have vocal energy and workhorses working together and a leader out there who's directing uh, and and people connecting and then somebody who takes off the pressure, it's so different. The environment is so different than when you only have one of those keys or none of those keys or really a low level of any of those those people. Um, And then when those things work together it's just, it's magic. It's just really different. And you can see it. You can, you can actually see it in practices. Mm -hmm. And I think any level, I think any level team uh, can, can apply these things, business teams, professional, you know, sports teams, high school teams, I I, youth teams, I think all of them. Uh, And and it's written in a way for any of those age groups to understand what it's talking about.
1: Yeah, I'm loving it so far. Really am. Yeah. Awesome. So before we leave, um, I'm going to throw some questions at you that I do with all of my interviewees. So um, if you will, tell me what number did you wear in college on your jersey and why?
0: Uh, I wore number 20 and I wore number 20 because I liked it. <laughs> I it was available.
1: <laughs> you know, that is a good enough answer. I'll take it. <laughs> Um did you have a favorite move or situation or a favorite pass?
0: Um any pass that connected was a favorite pass. <laughs> any pass that led to a score was a great pass. And a favorite move was this like up and under thing where I'd go to the basket and shoot a layup with my opposite hand, so the hand on the inside, you know, closer to the basket. Sure. Uh and and get fouled, that was always because people always thought they could block me.
1: Uh-huh.
0: so I, I learned to do that. So people would follow me instead.
1: Yeah. I feel <laughs> like Lindsay Whalen would do that a lot. She'd go up for a layup on the left side maybe and she'd always shoot it with her right hand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a scoop scooping way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Kind of protecting she, with your body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she was a little more um, let's, let's say um, agile than me. Uh, she's pretty, <laughs> uh, you know, she can get around and underneath and all that. I was a little less, uh, creative <laughs> uh, and maybe that was back in the day
1: a little yeah. less creative I don't know about that because I've done I've gone through some of your dribbling workouts and you do some interesting things and I've taken those moves and I've uh, done them with little kids all over Spain nice. over here
0: nice yeah. nice nice yeah okay creative and dribbling creative and shooting a little bit
1: different yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not going to get that ball away from me yeah. <laughs> no no <laughs> Um, did you ever have, uh, did you take nutrition seriously back then? Was it a thing? I did, uh, because that
0: was my major health education. So it was very important to me to understand all of that, uh, and, and try to incorporate that in.
1: Okay. Did you have like a pregame meal that you would always eat or you were just trying to eat healthy in general?
0: Well, in high school, I always had a pack of graham crackers and a glass of milk. That was, that was before my health education. <laughs> college. Uh, but that seemed to work. I don't know why an entire pack and a glass of milk, like, you know, an hour before I played. Um, I don't know if that works anymore, but it did for me in high school. And you would then, just
1: dip, you would dip them and then eat them. You weren't like crunkle, um, crunching them up and putting them in and then eating with, with a spoon or something.
0: No, I would just eat the graham cracker and drink the milk. So no oh. dunking allowed. Just it kind of dumps in your in your mouth when you drink. But yeah, okay, it's sort of like that. <laughs> then I got health education, but then we had training table. Mm. So you know you had what you had to eat at training table, and, and most of the time, well, all the time. Okay, so freshman year, I'll say this. You know, I wasn't into my major yet So <laughs>
1: you weren't so, declared yet.
0: <laughs> I discovered training table and I put on like a freshman 20 pounds and then I had to figure out okay this has got to come off and now I'm taking these classes and so I I kind of then got my life under control uh, as far as being an athlete.
1: (laughs) I do not believe you 20 pounds.
0: Okay uh, maybe 15 but it was it was significant.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess I shouldn't be laughing either, because any friends of mine that are listening to this, they know that my eating habits are not always the best in high school. I think I was known to eat jelly beans, maybe sloppy joes, maybe some eggnog all before a game. Um, That has definitely changed. And I am much cleaner with my eating now.
0: That's interesting, because every college that I worked at, uh, every team's eating was a little bit different. So there were some healthier colleges and some less healthy colleges, sure. which I thought was very interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, looking back on my college days, I always talk about this with Kelly Roysland, and we would we just laugh and we're like, man, if we would have ate a little healthier, we would have been in such better shape, you yeah. know, but we thought that we could just eat anything. And we thought that, you know, we were going to burn it off and we would go to, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name. What's that malt shop right off of university? Um, the burgers and the malts. We would go there at night and we would get a malt to go, a shake to go. You know, so we would eat like half of it, freeze the other half, and then we would, you know, before bed, open up the freezer and have some more. You know, <laughs> it was just so bad.
0: <laughs> That's only, you know, that was only like
1: 1500 calories, probably. So, <laughs> you know, gosh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name right now. What's it's not I know. Uh And then lastly, is there anything you really miss from your playing days in college?
0: Oh, absolutely, and this social media has, hap- has helped this situation, but you know, your teammates and you go through so much together, you know, you guys, you depend on each other, and my teammates in college and, and high school, all, all the teams I've been on, um, that's, uh, you miss those people, you miss that interaction, you miss that, uh, you know, the camaraderie of team, and so social media has helped. Because social media and computers and emails and everything, it wasn't there when I was in college. So when we left college, unless you were writing letters or calling people, it, it was harder to keep up with everybody. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we have a group that meets at Final Fours and, you know, college teammates that, that and even some high school ones that meet up when you're in the area, because I travel a lot. So, you know, I think the social media thing has helped me reconnect with some of those uh, relationships and it has been a blast
1: mm-hmm. and, and this is
0: what we do less. We reminisce, we talk, you know, we get together and we just laugh yeah. and joke and remember when and remember when and, uh, <laughs> and we yeah. just laugh. Yeah.
1: Well, good. Well, thank you for letting me drill you with a couple questions and I just looked it up. It's Annie's parlor. Um, oh, that's was- right. Yes, the burger and the malt joint there on in Diki Town. And speaking of reminiscing, I was reading just yesterday the little part in your book that you spoke about me. Um, and I remember exactly when and how and how I felt during that moment. And I have to say that those 20 shots that I was supposed to make, they had they, they weren't just makes. they were clean makes. So no touching the rim. Right, which right. is why why it took me so dang long because I would maybe make 16, 17, and then on the 18th one I would touch the rim and I maybe made the shot but it touched the rim so it didn't count and I had to start all over.
0: That's right. What a what a crazy coach you had. That's <laughs> unbelievable. But you know what? You you made 20 shots without without hitting the rim and that is you know. Uh. That's, that's focus. That's dedication to stay there. And like I say in the book, you could have walked off anytime I had to leave. So, you know, we were, we were over the NCAA amount of time. So I had to go and you stayed and finished and, you know, you could have come up and lied to me, but that's the kind of working. Your attitude was that I am going to conquer this thing. And you did, and you have in your entire life, Les, you, you continue to do that. And wow. that's what, that's what's you know satisfying as a coach is to see that kind of success. You know, you're and you're thriving. You're thriving. You're doing great things.
1: Well, I appreciate it, Barb. That that almost was the death of me, but I do appreciate That's... it. <laughs> like you that. made Don't me stronger. That. You have contributed to my uh, perseverance, so I appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, you know, I did not bring it to the brink of death, I hope. (laughs) But yeah, but those kinds of challenges, if you can get a coach that will challenge you like that, but also bring you along. That's what we're doing with this whole recruiting process thing. That's the mentality. You know, let's figure this thing out. Let's get you where you want to go.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for uh, giving me almost an hour and a half of your time today. I really appreciate it. I love being able to see you on the other side of the screen, even though we're thousands of miles apart, but, um, I love that
0: too. I love that too, Les, and it's been great. Uh, and thanks for, for being a part of my book and, you know, telling your story because it's a, it's a great one.
1: Well, I, I feel very fortunate to be able to, uh, contar contigo i want to say in spanish but just to to be able to have you in my life and to be able to you know pick up the phone and call you and and know that you're there to listen and to give your advice and whatever else i need so i appreciate you barb and uh enjoy the rest of your day
0: all right that sounds good you too thanks for having me on les i'm i'm honored to be on your show
1: Barb talks about her sophomore year of college and the game that converted her into a starter. She said she and her teammates got busy on the court. Well, I think it's safe to say that Barb has been busy ever since, whether as a coach or as a self-made entrepreneur. She's been thinking about and developing these ideas for the last 10 years. She's written a book, and now she's about ready to launch her business, Find My Team. Meticulous, detail-oriented, energetic, and passionate, just some of the adjectives I'd use to describe Barb Smith. For all of you out there who are in need of a helping hand as you navigate the college recruiting process, I'd recommend sending Barb an email. Your time will not be wasted. And anybody else who's looking for a consultant or a motivational speaker, Barb has great insight to share. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor by rating the show or by leaving a comment. Your support means a lot and will help get the word out to future listeners. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening to another season in the books. I'm Leslie Knight, wishing you a safe and healthy week. Thank you.